0: Welcome to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680, WPTF. Good Saturday morning to you. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. Bill, welcome back. Good, good to have you in the studio. Good morning.
1: <laughs> hope you're doing well, Jason. No, it's wonderful to be back. Um, you know, uh, now, uh, obviously, I had a wonderful stand in, uh, Shazia Keller. Uh, is the senior associate attorney in uh, our office at WG Alexander and Associates. And, of course, uh, I'm sure that she did a wonderful job for the last two weeks while I was on vacation. So, uh, And, of course, I've been back for a week at this point um, because we got back last weekend uh, about this – well, not this time, uh, but – late saturday. Right. And um so anyway, it's uh, I've had um you know, obviously the first couple of days you get back from a long trip, uh, your mind is sort of mush. So I've had enough uh enough time to recover from that and that's that's a good thing. But uh uh we we went on a, a a special trip that was a cruise in the Mediterranean that basically went from Rome to Barcelona. Wow, that's great. So uh, it was it was pretty special. Um, could have been better. And uh, people might be able to tell that my voice is a little croaky and that's still a hangover from the uh, from the trip because uh, as it uh, as it would be I, I got sick about three days into the trip and uh, pretty much had a... Uh, bad congestion for pretty much the entire trip, and and
0: uh, <laughs> well, that's been going around the area here. So, uh, well, but I wasn't in you, the area. You're going you're to
1: blend in. You're going to blend in. No one's going to know that you were gone. <laughs> yeah, it, it, but uh, it it is, uh, you know. And studies have been made that um, while it doesn't necessarily take two weeks, which we, you know, I took advantage of that. It's very rare when I actually take two weeks. Um, In fact, I haven't done it in about seven years. Wow! Uh, Normally, when I take a vacation, it's one week. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's, you know, but, you know, having two associates in the office that can take care of things while you're gone and do their own thing is, is, um, you know, gives you a little more confidence to be a little bolder uh, about taking a few more uh, days off. And, and of course, we Americans... um, we don't take time off the way Europeans do. They, they take far more vacation days uh, than we do. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just part of their culture. And, and so I think we could um, uh, do a little more of emulating how they, they do things. But, um, uh, but all the studies have shown that uh, employees, people are more productive when they take time off. You know, you, we all need time to recharge. That's yep. um, you know, we're sort of like batteries. If we don't uh, recharge occasionally, then we're going to basically be useless. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I've had that opportunity, which was which was really nice. So anyway, I, I hope people missed me a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and, and this morning, you know, when you take time off, it, you have um, an opportunity to reflect on things, um, which I, I think is important. So it's not just a matter of, of recharging. And truthfully, most, most of the time when I'm on vacation, I, I, read, um, I read a lot. But I try to read a lot of trashy stuff, um, you know, murder mysteries and <laughs> military mysteries and, you know, action type of things. That's not trashy. Bill. Guy things and yeah. uh, enjoy uh, that. Uh, but I, I did read one book that doesn't fall into that category. And I, and I, th- I think that it's important to talk about um, Uh, It was a book that was written probably three years ago. Um, It was clearly published before the presidential election, and it was written by Tom or Thomas Friedman. Mm -hmm. Uh, Are you familiar with with him? Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I have read most every book that Friedman has has published, and the reason I do uh, is because – he is pretty accurate uh, on the future, and I try to stay ahead of the you know of the curve in everything I do. Excuse me. Um, in other words, it's it's like uh, playing hockey. You don't you, you don't go to where the puck is. You go to where you think the puck will be. Right. And that's the way it is in, in business. You always want to try to stay ahead of the curve. And Friedman is probably the most accurate futurist in terms of, of what we are experiencing uh, in this country. Um, For anybody who's working uh, and anybody who's retired in terms of what's going on, because we are clearly – in a transition period in this uh, country, and it's overwhelming to almost all of us uh, for a lot of different reasons. I mean, uh, no. So what what was the book? The, the book uh, is titled Thank You for Being Late, which is sort of weird. Yeah, I'd uh, say so. And I would tell you that uh, a third of the book is – uh, not particularly valuable or helpful, and it's the last third that, that is uh, where Friedman is pretty much reminiscing about how wonderful the area outside of Minneapolis where he grew up and, and why it is strong. So it's, I mean, I read every word, and but I'm just simply saying in terms of uh, the importance of his writings, and one of the things. Now, some people would say, "Oh, Friedman's a liberal. He's really not. Uh, he is. How do I? How do you characterize uh, Friedman? Uh, he is um, uh, well educated mm-hmm. for sure. Um, he would be one of um, a very." Uh, I would say almost lost group of people. And that would be, he would be a moderate Republican, yeah. Jewish moderate mm-hmm. Republican. So that's a pretty rare breed, I would say. <laughs> and as, as he, he would say, I mean, the, uh, one of the things that has been lost, particularly in the Midwest, uh, politically at this point are what used to be liberal Republicans. Um, you know, it's just uh, or the on the other side of the coin, and and it used to be, uh, you know, way back when I was a child, the the politicians who actually ran the country for a number of years w- was a, um, a coming together of liberal Republicans and conservative Democrats. Conservative Democrats being from the South and the liberal Republicans being from primarily from the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Um and so, you know, obviously we don't have that uh currently, which makes things I- interesting. Um uh but there's an awful lot in that book and I would encourage uh people to read the book for themselves. Um you know, if somebody tried to characterize me personally, uh, I'd be pretty hard uh to characterize. Now, uh, in my, I, I go uh, to um, uh, religiously on Wednesday mornings. I go to uh, Early Birds, and so I would. Uh, Early Birds is a breakfast devotional uh, at First Presbyterian Church in downtown Raleigh. Uh, every uh, almost every Wednesday morning, where there are probably three uh, Wednesdays that we don't meet. Uh, depending on holiday schedules and and things like that. But virtually every Wednesday morning, and people gather around 6.30 um, or so. Some people are earlier than that, and some people like me come in around 7 Um, o'clock. But it's a good group of men. Now, the women just have to understand this is a men's group, uh, of Christians, it's not just Presbyterian. It's uh, but it's primarily uh, folks who work in downtown Raleigh. But there are an awful lot of others who are, you know, they drive in uh, from home. They're retired, you know, that sort of thing. But it's a wonderful group, and it. I mean, for me, I hate to miss it because it's just it's a wonderful way to start my day. And we're out by eight o'clock uh, every Wednesday morning it's three bucks for breakfast you can't get a better breakfast can't for be three thin, bucks yeah. anywhere so if uh, anyone is listening to this and would like to to come I would encourage uh, it's a very open embracing group um, of folks and there's a typically a wonderful breakfast and um, a short devotional uh, and we're out by eight o'clock so you can get to work on time and um, it's it's just a wonderful way to, to start the day. So um, for those who um, are worried about not having somebody to go with, you can consider this a personal invitation from me because we always like uh, visitors and guests. And just come on and pay your three bucks. and. And enjoy, and you know, once you do it a couple times, it gets into your blood, and it's hard not to go because it's uh, just a wonderful. I, I would really miss it uh, if I if I couldn't go every mm-hmm. week. And and when I was on vacation, I missed it. So, yep. um, uh, so the bottom line is here's the invitation, and I would uh, certainly encourage uh, folks to consider coming. Um, now to get back to where I started. Um, the book, it really is talking about what are the dynamics going on. Um, Oh, you know, I I forgot how to characterize me. Um, I would say that I'm, a liberal, moderate, conservative, libertarian—you're
0: <laughs> just naming everything, Bill. You're not—you're not labeling yourself.
1: You're just naming well, all the categories. Well, I'm complex. It yeah. depends on um, on what it what the issue is, but I do uh, believe in moderation. I believe in middle of the road. I believe in compromise. Um, I think it's important. Um, you know. Uh, that people be able to come together uh, and be able to do things together with respect, with dignity. I do believe that whether we're rich or poor, we all put on our pants the same way, mm-hmm. uh, and that each of us has something to contribute Um and that um, that we need to listen. You know that that the, the most most people understand how to talk, but there are very few people that learn to really listen and appreciate what other folks have to say. And I think it's one of the one of the key things uh, to being successful is being able to listen and to understand where other folks are coming from. And uh, one of the biggest points in this book. Has to do with uh, inclusion and the the necessity of inclusion of bringing together together lots of different kinds of people. Not, in other words, uh, an inc- inclusion of everyone, mm-hmm. uh, all races, religions, or non-religions. Um, in terms of understanding each other because, again, everyone has a different perspective. And sometimes those different – and often those different perspectives can give you a better answer, a better business approach, a better life approach. Mm -hmm. And the the thing that's occurring right now that is – significantly impacting us particularly in the united states is coming on strong at this point and and a lot of folks a lot of folks who are working are scared because of artificial intelligence in other words computers and robots taking over jobs that used to be good paying jobs and it's sort of like where do we go but the, the truth is we're not going to stop technology. Technology is getting faster, stronger, with more memory, uh, you know. And that's one thing about Friedman's Book. He his extraordinarily um, – he's tied in to so many of the brilliant thinkers and leaders, not politically – but business-wise, I mean, because people top of Microsoft, top of Apple, top of IBM, top of, you know, the bottom line is Friedman is a person who can talk to any of those folks and be embraced and, and he can talk it back to us intelligently to where we can understand what the dynamics of all of these changes uh, are coming to, and in fact, when I got back, the first thing I did was ask my youngest son uh, to read this book because I think it's an important book for young folks to to get their head around what's happening around them. I think it's important for folks your age, Jason, and my age uh, as well, so that we better understand the technological and other forces that are changing our world and changing it so fast, we're very uncomfortable with it. I mean, I think it's pretty funny just to look at my smartphone. If you tell me that there's anyone that you know that fully utilizes the power of their smartphone, (laughs) I would say you're a liar. Yeah,
0: I, uh, I think you're right. I think that's few and far between. And we're going to continue our discussion here on Thomas Friedman's book. We got to take a break, Bill. We'll be right back. Stick around. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680, WPTF. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680, WPTF. You can find more. About Bill and his team at Law.com. That's Law.com. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander, fresh off vacation. Good to have him back in the studio here. And Bill, you've been talking all about uh, Thomas Friedman's book. Uh, I, forgive me, I, I didn't write down the title. What was the name of the book again? Uh, thank you for being late. Thank you for being late. And we were just uh, get, diving into the technology aspect and how that's rapidly progressing.
1: Well, well the fact of the matter is, um, what's happening around us with our jobs. It, it is, uh, we're, we're clearly in a different age than where folks my age, and of course I'm 66, uh, when we grew up. I mean, uh, yes, we, we, I grew up in a very prosperous time in the country, 50s, 60s, 70s, uh, 80s. Uh, but the bottom line is, is that uh, education today, jobs today, uh, the dynamics of working today are completely different than when I grew up. And of course, it won't be surprising that Friedman would say that, that uh, everyone, no matter what their age, needs to be a lifelong learner. Um, and and uh, of course, I've, I've believed I have, I've been a believer in that uh, from day one. But it's no longer a situation where you can learn to do something and not expect it to change over time. And, of course, the, the real key jobs in the future are going to be people who are smart enough and nimble enough – Because there's not going to be anything that you learn today in terms of a job um, skill that will necessarily be applicable 10 or 20 years from now. And so uh, because it's going to change so much, so you have to continue to learn to get better. I mean, look at the difference in automobiles today than 30 years ago. Uh, You know, now there's a computer inside. In fact, your car may be more technologically advanced if you buy a new one. Of course, mine's an old one. But if if you have a new one, it's probably more technologically advanced than anything else that you own, including your smartphone. You know, the car is going to tell you if it's sick or if it needs repair or what needs to be done to it uh, at any given time. And, of course, now they're, you know, they're testing driverless Vehicles and and um, <clears throat> so, I mean, how do you think if you're a taxi driver and they're talking about driverless cars and driverless taxis, you know, you might be concerned about the future of your uh, of your job, uh, or if you're a taxi driver in New York City and you had to pay whatever I think I read that they had to pay something like fifty thousand dollars or more for the privilege. Mm-hmm of driving a taxi, you know, is that privilege worth anything now? I mean, it used to, they used to be able to sell those licenses and now those licenses aren't worth very much um, because of the technological changes. So, um, you know, but see, all of us are in that same boat in terms of our careers being changed, modified around us. And, uh, well, I'll ask you this, Jason. Do you think uh, corporate employers are loyal to their employees anymore?
0: Uh, not if the, – no, they're loyal to the shareholders most likely.
1: Well, and, and that's, that's the point. In other words, you could have a job today, be doing a relatively good job, and if, if you were in a similar job 50 years ago, you'd, you would have job security. Today, if the company has a bad quarter, they might lay off 10,000 people who were the day before doing a good job. And so, um, it, you know, the other thing that we see uh, is that corporations used to because use, I don't see it near as much today as we did years ago, uh, used to be very um, community and lo- local community-centered. Um, in other words, there was a lot of corporate money that went into local needs in the community. You see less and less of that. Um, you know, as you see companies consolidate and they move their headquarters, and they're they're much more concerned about their bottom line and quarterly reports than being good stewards of the community. And that uh, that's a sad chapter but you know now under the the new tax code that we have you know the big corporations are getting a huge break uh, we might see some good good out of it and we might see some bad but clearly corporate big corporations will have far more money this year than last year because of the tax break that they're getting so they have extra money So, yes, they could raise salaries uh, and and wages. They could put more money into capital needs and expand and expansion. Uh, Or uh, uh, they could also give more to the community in terms of uh, community involvement, which would be uh, wonderful to see. Um, But the fact of the matter is, is that at least so far, Only a few of the companies are actually doing that. Many of the companies are, in essence, uh, buying back their stock, raising dividends. So it's, in essence, going to the shareholders. Now, if you're a retiree and have a 401K, um, which most do, you might see the stock market rise because of the fact that the companies will be more profitable uh, in the short term mm-hmm. uh, and you know and that's good for retirees and folks who have savings and that sort of thing. So there's there's good in it. Ah there's one other thing and I'm obviously I'm running on and on and I apologize for that. But there is one thing in the tax code that I really like and uh, and that is for the first time in my lifetime, the new tax code has abolished, the penalty for being married now and what it boils down to is the tax policy of old uh, basically was advantageous to the traditional family now that's the Ozzy and harriet family where you had a breadwinner and a housewife Mm -hmm. okay Uh, so you had one earner in the family and one person who stayed at home um, so the tax code was always advantageous to that family. But the truth is, how many families like that do you see today? Very few, because uh, one of the things that, and one of the differences in what we see today culturally is, guess what? Employers aren't paying as much to people. It's a lot harder for young people to get started with a, a well-paying job it's hard to get a job and then you have to compete with an awful lot of folks to get a job and then when you get the job you start out at pretty much at the low end and it takes a good while to really uh, make good money for many many young people so there're very few people who are married where you don't have two earners and oftentimes they earn fairly similar incomes mm-hmm. I mean that's just the way the modern family has to be to have enough money to at least try to have the same standard of living as their the way they grew up, and at least as I see things, um, for the majority of young people now there are always lots of wonderful exceptions to the rule, but the majority of young people actually this will be the first generation. Where young people uh, are more likely not to live to the standard of their parents. Um, in other words, uh, this will be the first generation because for every generation that I was aware of uh, until now, the children typically lived a higher standard of living mm-hmm. than their parents. You know, the parents worked to uh, uh, give their children better opportunities. And today, that's far, far more difficult to do. So, you know, there's a lot of things going on, and I know we have to take a break. So one of the things I want to talk about is something that I advise a lot of my senior clients uh, who can afford to do it because I think it's important um, for the future of our children.
0: All right, well, we'll get into just that. I want to remind everyone the book that we were talking about earlier by Thomas Freeman was Thank You for Being Late, and we'll continue our discussion right here on Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680, WPTF. Stick around. News Radio six eighty WPTF. You're listening to Asset Protection today with Attorney Bill Alexander. I'm Jason Kong. He's Bill Alexander back in the studio this week, and Bill, uh, we're having a, a good discussion here. And you were talking a little bit about the the tax code and how there's no longer a penalty for uh, for those folks who are married.
1: Yeah. So what that means really is for the first time for um, couples where both. Um, husband and wife are working and both have a good income, uh, for the first time, it might uh, be wise to uh, look at filing separate returns. So you have to look at what your overall taxes would be with a separate return as well as a joint return and go either way. You know, sometimes it's Uh, important to file separate returns particularly if your spouse uh, is in trouble with the internal revenue service or you know fence let's say that your spouse hadn't paid taxes that they were supposed to pay um, then filing a separate return will keep you from being liable for something that your spouse has not done uh, properly right and so separate returns can be very protective but um, uh, but in just assuming that you've done everything right it's a question of the bottom line and how much tax you pay and you may find that uh, filing separately gives you a lower tax than filing um, jointly it, it'll just depend uh, on your circumstances and uh, certainly uh, you can either use software that you can purchase or uh, your accountant can help you make that determination but it's It's uh, something that – now, folks of traditional, you know, the old Ozzy and Harriet type of situation for that rare breed, then obviously a joint return is always going to be a a better situation uh, for those those folks. Um, But, you know, what's – here's the issue. Uh, Most middle-class families, and most of my clients are squarely – Middle class or upper middle class. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sometimes I get uh, uh, some that are way out there financially and and what I would consider rich, whether they consider it or not. Uh, But middle class and upper middle class families are clearly my bread and butter uh, in terms of helping them. Well, and I certainly grew up that way. And when uh, I went to school, and of course, I went to college and I went to law school, my parents helped me uh, through college and through law school financially. They basically paid my tuition. I paid all my other expenses, um, but they, they paid the tuition, which was pretty darn costly. Yeah. And then when my wife and I had children, um, we started saving money uh, the month our Child. each child was born, and putting back money for college and, and school. Mm-hmm. So, and that's been the tradition of middle-class families. You know, how are we going to help our kids, um, you know, when they get to school? Now, not every family can do that, but uh, most of us who have the ability to do it, that is an important thing that we do for our children. Now, what I'm going to say now is that based on the new economy and what's going on in the world, um, that may be the wrong approach for parents and grandparents to take. Because grandparents get into this, too. We need to help our children and grandchildren uh, set aside money for college with the idea that if they go to college, they'll get a good job and earn a lot of money and be able to save for themselves, um, you know, for their retirement and live a good life, you know, live a better life than we've lived, you Mm -hmm. know, that sort of thing. Well, the fact of the matter is that doesn't compute anymore. You know, college, uh, it might get you a job interview, but it doesn't necessarily get you a good job. It doesn't necessarily pave the way to uh, having a wonderful financial future. And what I would say is that it is important for those who can, parents and grandparents, to put money aside for their children. But where I think it's wrong is the fact that college is something that is obtainable um, by people who want to go to college uh, or to advanced uh, schooling. Uh, no matter what, whether the uh, – in other words, you can get loans, you mm-hmm. can join the military, you can do a lot of different things where um, where you can get a college education, um, uh, you, you know, whether your parents help you or not. But what uh, – so w- what I'm more concerned about, and I think this – if you really think about it, you'll understand where I'm coming – is that it's really difficult for young people to set aside money, enough money, for their retirement. And all the statistics show this, that most young people are not saving enough for retirement. Well, we all know that pensions are going away. I mean, even in the military, my expectation is that at some point in the not too distant future, the military, you know, Congress is going to end military pensions so that uh, there's not a ride for the military people, even though they deserve it. Same thing's true for teachers. We know we do have a, a pension for teachers in North Carolina now, but many states that had a pension don't have them anymore. You know, government workers – They may find themselves in the same boat. Well, we all know that Social Security is not going to be sufficient to pay for people's decent retirement, which means what? You have to have enough savings to live on, and guess what? Our children are going to live longer than we, and so it's going to be very common for children to live into their 90s and even into their uh, 100-plus. Well, guess what? That takes a lot of money. So my concern is not about children's ability to go to school. It's about their ability to retire with enough money to where they won't starve and they'll be able to get uh, medical care and they'll be able to live a decent life. Well, the, one of the things that I strongly recommend to my clients who can afford it is that they consider investing for each child when the child is born. Actually, you can't do it until they're one. They hit their first birthday. Um, But to look at life insurance that is not designed for death benefit but designed for cash value buildup, it's a tax-sheltered play, if you will. But if a parent puts back – you know, a couple thousand dollars a year towards that effort into a premium, and they do that for 20 years for their child, you would be amazed at what that will grow into uh, when the child reaches 70 years of age. Uh, Because you've basically given them a fund that will grow for 70 years and and in essence, be a multimillion-dollar cash fund when they retire. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, well, and, and in, in numbers uh, from most people who do that, um, in essence, they could borrow. Now, th- this is where the tax sheltered because a life insurance policy is not countable Uh, for college, so it doesn't affect their ability to get college loans or college scholarships or anything like that. Uh, It is not taxable. All of the income building up inside the policy is not taxed. If you were to die, it pays out tax-free. And once you have enough money to where you can borrow against it, it's a loan. It's not income. So you pay no income tax on, uh, on the loan. Um, so you set up this policy. It grows for 70 years. The child retires at age 70. Well, they could borrow typically $100,000 or more a year for 20 to 25 years and still have a million dollars or more left in their policy. So it does take an investment over time of about forty dollars to $50,000 depending on the age of the child and how much you want to be available. But, you know, that to me it would be far more important to a person who is struggling to basically try to, to have a decent life. You know, right now, Jason um, – more than half the people in the country have no savings at all. Yeah. And it's like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen when it, when those people reach retirement age? Do they really think social security is going to take care of them? I mean, I, I'm asking that rhetorically. Do you think social security will nah, take care of them? No. Well, I don't either. So what's going to happen? Um and and it's not necessarily their fault. It's it. It is if they don't become lifelong learners. If they if they don't figure out how they can use technology to their advantage, some of them will come become very wealthy because they really understand the new economy and and how to use technology. But the greatest majority of people uh, will earn less money, live uh, a lower. Um, standard of living than their parents even though they don't want to mm-hmm. it's just an economic necessity based on what we're seeing and of course there are a lot of other things we could talk about as it relates to how technology is is being used but that's that's why uh the friedman book is is really uh, one to uh, look at to see what is really happening dynamically in the world and and how you might be able to use that to your own advantage
0: yeah and uh, and avoid some pitfalls as well along the way a quick break and back you're listening to asset protection today with attorney bill alexander you can find more about him at wgalaw.com you're listening to news radio 680 wptf Welcome back to Asset Protection today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio six eighty WPTF. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. And Bill, uh, I'm not too sure where you want to go with this, but you told me during the break that you want to talk about meditation, and hopefully we're not going to do that on the air here. Hopefully, we're no, going to have no, 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 we're
1: not going to do that. But I, I think I'm going to surprise you here, and, and uh, you know, truthfully, uh, the most of us should be very uncomfortable about the new economy and what's happening in the world, regardless of what's going on in politics. and But the bottom line is, what's going on in industry and how it affects us and how it affects our children and our grandchildren, it's enough to stress you out. Sure. I mean, th- there are a lot of, uh, of things about it that should stress people. Well, I-, I wanted to talk to you about a study regarding meditation. Okay, now – If you ask me if I meditate, uh, I I do occasionally. I should do it uh, far more often. Uh, But truthfully, uh, during those times that I meditate, I typically end up going into prayer, which is very similar to meditation. It's not quite the same, because with meditation you're supposed to clear your mind. It doesn't take long. A few minutes is all it takes. But the United States Marine Corps did a study on meditation, and this is what I wanted to share with folks, um, because it was sort of like, this is what made me understand the fact that it actually can help. Well, the bottom line is, is that this study clearly showed for U.S. Marines, and who are we talking about? We're talking about young men, for the most part, and women, but mostly young men that are out there. Now, do they get into stressful situations? Absolutely, every day, whether it's training, real world, whatever. Marines are under a lot of stress. They're put into some pretty harsh environments. Well, what the study showed was that those Marines who started their day with 10 minutes of meditation dealt with stress during the day far better than those who did not and the study was very clear. I mean the results were very clear. It wasn't muddied or <clears throat> or the like. It was real clear that those who, you know, each day started their work day with meditating for 5 to 10 minutes, it really worked for them and it was they were able to deal with stress, to deal with everything that they had to do better, more intelligently, faster, more efficient. You know, to me, that that meant something, and so no, I'm not going out there and say, okay, everybody, let's do meditation. <laughs> I'm not doing it, but I would say for those who work in a stressful environment, learn about it, you know, and maybe you'll find that it it helps you. I mean, because you'd be amazed at how many alternative things out there there are out there that really can be beneficial uh, to us. Uh, in our daily lives. And um, so anyway, I thought I would share the study because I thought it was yeah. fun.
0: It's, it's interesting. And it's one of those things where what do you have to lose at, at trying it? Right. Just a few minutes, I guess. That's mm-hmm. really all about it. Well, quick break and back and we'll wrap up the show here. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. I want to remind you to head over to WGALaw.com if you need uh, to uh, schedule an appointment with Bill, or maybe you're interested in registering for one of the free seminars. We've got one coming up next month, and that is on the 13th of June if you want to register in advance for Bill's free seminar. You're also on the TV tomorrow morning, Bill, 8 a.m. on the CW22 with your TV show, Money Secrets, and you also have a book out by the same name that folks can purchase on Amazon.
1: We do. book just came out, and I think it's pretty good. It's helpful to folks. Uh, and obviously, it's easier to read than to listen forever and ever and ever. So,
0: <laughs> And that book, again, is also called Money Secrets, so you can search for that as well. We are out of time for today on behalf of Bill Alexander. I am Jason Kong. Thank you so much for listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680, WPTF. Have a great weekend.